gentlemen, welcome to America's Auto Enthusiast Program. This is Auto World. And now, here's your host, Bob Long. Welcome, everybody. Thank you very much for being here. We've got another exciting hour straight ahead as we're going to be joined by the man we call upon when it comes to lubrication, Dan Watson, with more than 25 years of experience, a certified lubrication specialist and one of the largest AMSOIL dealers in all of North America. Telephone-wise, you can find us at 855-660-4261. Email bob at autoworldradio.com, bob at autoworldradio.com, or Dan Watson at thelooppage.com. Let's go to the guest lines right now and welcome our good friend, Dan. Dan, welcome back. How are you doing? I'm good this fine evening. How are you? Doing fine. Thank you very much for asking. Dan, I've noticed uh, the price of motor oils just seems to keep going one direction, and that's up. AMS oil is pretty pricey. How can consumers deal with these increasing costs? Well, you know, it's a good question because as we look at everything, we have to admit that just everything goes up in price. I was in the uh, hardware store the other day to get some paint. You know, I mean, this is paint, right? Yep. <laughs> and I found paint, the kind I was looking for, between 35 and $45 for a gallon. <clears throat> now, if you think about it, just it goes by so fast, because I remember buying paint for, you know, 1995, that kind of stuff, right? So, sure. But there's no quality 1995 paint in the store, so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> so you had to buy with what you got. But, no, all of the lubricants, all the oils have gone up. I mean, my goodness, would anybody have believed that you could go into an auto parts store and see a quart of some name brand oil like, uh, I don't know, Valvoline, Castor Oil, Mobile. We're talking about petroleum here now. Regular oil selling for uh, $5 a quart. I mean, that's, that's what we, when I came into the business with Amsoil, that's what we sold synthetic oil for was $5 a quart. Mm-hmm. Now we see regular performing petroleum being sold at $5 a quart. So things just keep accelerating. Now, what's the consumer to do? Well, one of the things they've been doing in Europe for years, and we're getting more in tune to it now, is not changing your oil as often. In other words, this old wives' tale or mechanic's tale, what do you want to call it, of uh, 3,000 miles is sacrosanct, change your oil at 3,000 miles. You won't even find that in any of the uh, owner's manuals for cars that are being made today. There's nothing in it that says change your oil at 3,000 miles. Most of the owner's manuals are going to give you some type of change frequency, which could be anywhere from 4,000 to 7,000. It depends upon what they specify. And a number of uh, companies, like Toyota, that's synthetic from bumper to bumper, they're telling you to run your oil 10,000 miles. And... If you go to some of the European manufacturers, they tell you to run the oil 12,000 miles. So all this this idea that you've got to just be constantly changing oil every 3,000 miles, that's that first off, that myth needs to be broken so that people wouldn't do that regardless of what kind of oil they're using. Because I would say some of the oil out there wouldn't be good for 3,000 miles, so be careful. But 
here's the best tip I can give people on how to save money and defer this high cost of oil and lubricants and an oil change. Because you go in to get an oil change from a lot of places, it's about the cheap ones where you can just, they're just trying to run people through, it's like 30 bucks. Okay, but they tell you definitely you got to be back in 3,000 miles, and I would advise you in some of those you should go back 3,000 miles because the oil they put in is probably so on the bottom end of the totem pole that 3,000 would be about all you could expect. Now, say you have a place where you put in a quality mobile or castor oil or Valvoline or something, then you could probably look with petroleum of doing four or 5,000 miles, sometimes even further. But here's how you beat the system. Uh, you use an oil like Amsoil Synthetics that tells you with our top-tier oil that you can go one year or 25,000 miles. Now, we have a second tier, which we call our XL oil, which is one year or 12,000 miles. And recognize that Mobile understands this because they're selling a one-year or 20,000-mile oil change. They call it their annual oil change. And so... This would tell you, Bob, without, I know how we are as Americans when it comes to math. We just don't want to get into too much math. Everybody's got a math phobia. But this is pretty easy. This is not rocket science. If you paid $30 and you got yourself a 5,000-mile oil change, or you could pay $99 and get yourself a 25,000-mile oil change, well, 25,000 miles would take, five of those 5,000-mile oil changes, they each cost you 30 bucks. that'd be $150 that you spent, and you had to go five times to do it. Now, if you had a premium AMSOIL Signature Series oil change, and you got it for around $100, then it would have saved you $50, and it would have saved you four trips to the lube place. So what you have to do is look now and understand that the engineering and the chemical engineering, if you will, is of a state that you can make lubricating products that will go much longer. I use sometimes the analogy like tires, you know, because they're easy to see and understand. You can buy uh, two 40,000-mile radials or you can buy one 80,000-mile radio. Now, if you're not going to drive the miles for it, be careful on that analogy because you'll have a lot of tread left on your 80,000-mile radial <laughs> when the sidewalls start leaking air because it's been, it just doesn't have the miles. But if you're going to drive the miles and you need it, that 80,000-mile radial will not cost twice as much as a 40,000-mile radial. Plus, if you have two 40,000-mile radials put on, you're going to have to pay for, in many cases, the mounting, balancing of the tires and you add that into the cost. So next thing you know, it's a real deal to buy the longer tread tire if you need it. Same thing with the oil. If you're a person who drives uh, twelve to 15,000 miles a year, wouldn't it be better to do an annual oil change than to be into the lube station four times during the year uh, waiting to get your car done, all that kind of stuff, trying to say no, no, no to all the windshield wipers and the air cleaners and everything else that people try to sell you, and just go one time. So how do you beat the high cost of these products? By taking note of the companies like 
Amsoil, and Mobile that are offering legitimate extended drain intervals. Now, the one thing about Amsoil, it's warranted from day one, and they don't. Amsoil doesn't say you can't extend the miles beyond your vehicle warranty because Amsoil will warrant the oil. Period. Now, Mobile has a little trouble with that. They tell you not to go beyond the manufacturer's recommended intervals if you're still under warranty. Amsoil does not say that. They tell you you can go up to one year, 25,000 miles, and they will uh, stand in with what they call the warranty assurance from Amsoil. That oil is going to make it. It's going to do it without any trouble. So that's kind of how I approach that. you got to, as the old saying, we've had at Amsoil for years, you got to change your thinking instead of mm-hmm. changing your oil. Very good point, and that's going to save people some real significant dollars when you just do the math like you did and you get a better product. We'll take a time out, and when we come back on the other side, looks like we got a bunch of questions here for you, Dan. So we'll dive into those questions and ask people to call in with more. 855-660-4261. Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com. Dan Watson at TheLoopPage.com. Giving your radio a broadcasted tune-up. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. We're live all across North America on great radio stations and around the world at GCNLive.com. You can also find us in archive form, on-demand form, podcast form, and that doesn't prevent you from participating, uh, feel free to email myself, Bob at AutoWorldRadio.com, or Dan Watson at TheLoopPage.com, anytime, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Dan, let's get to some questions here. The first one is from Sandpoint, Idaho. And the question says, Dan, I have a 2017 Ford Power Stroke diesel pickup. I'm a believer in the 15W40 diesel oils, but with the cold weather coming, I want to try 5W30 synthetic for easy starts. Will this give me the protection I need? Well, and the answer to that is yes, but again, these days I always have to tell people, be careful about whose synthetic 5W30 you buy. And the reason is, Bob, I, you know, back, oh, several months ago on one of the shows, we talked about these, uh, some of these companies, some places that are really producing some, well, let's just call it faux pas <laughs> oil. Mm-hmm. And, so you got to be careful these days and make sure you buy a good quality oil. But today, especially the 2017, a lot of these new diesels are really designed, and they'll tell you in their owner's manual that you can run 30-weight oil, in particular in Canada and the upper reaches of uh, the United States, through the winter months. And the truth is these 30-weight oils, especially if you buy one that's um, – got top quality to it. Now, one of the Amsoil diesel oils, it's a 5W30. It's a new product. And, you know, Amsoil is a company where we, we know quite a bit of the, the people, the important people. And the uh, 
Alan Amatuzio, who was at the time the head of the uh, production and development branch in the business, he's now the chief executive officer and the president because he's inherited the business. But he told me personally that this 5W30 that they make is the best overall oil he's ever made, that it is tougher than nails, and it can be run in both gas and diesel engines, and that it has all the protection that you could ever want. Uh, it's that tough in design. So many of the folks up in places like Sandpoint, Idaho, and Minnesota, and Montana, really with diesels, if you can't, uh, maybe this guy can, I'm not sure, but if you can't really park them indoors and they're going to get really, really cold, you need to go down to a 30-weight oil and preferably a good synthetic 30-weight because, you know, Bob, it can be uh, minus 20 degrees and minus 30 degrees in some of these places. Some of the places in Idaho, you're both far north and you're elevated at four or 5,000 feet. Mm -hmm. So you can get some really cold weather. And so diesels, to, for our listeners out there to understand that on a diesel, diesel has to turn over about 100 RPM in order to start. Uh, which means different than a gas, you know, with a gasoline engine, you remember the whole pictures, Bob, where they got the hand crank? Yes. And they can pump it, crank it, and if you get it just one good turn, it starts up. Diesels are not like that. They have to roll over pretty hard to, to get started. So you have more trouble starting them in cold weather than gasoline engines. And a lot of times that's the reason why You'll see in a lot of diesel trucks, they have dual batteries. They have two batteries, two big batteries. And really, in the hot weather, one battery is plenty to start the thing. You get in cold weather, it's going to pull everything those two 800 cold cranking amp batteries have got to get that thing started. So using a 30-weight oil and a 5W, okay, as we've told our listeners before on the air, that first number, consider that W stands for winter. And the smaller that number, the better it can handle cold weather. So a 15W is better than a 20W, a 10W is better than a 15W, and a 5W is better than a 10W. So finding a 5W heavy-duty diesel oil, 5W30 heavy-duty diesel oil, is going to go a long ways towards uh, making that vehicle start easy in the winter. Now, you could potentially get by with a 5W40, that's made, but actually that 5W30 has better cold cranking uh, performance than the 5W40. So I hope that for our fellow in standpoint, he understands that a good synthetic that's rated CK4 for this truck with the uh, quality of one like uh, the Amsoil synthetic, and you will do well, it will start quick, and it will serve you well through uh, the whole winter. Great advice from Dan Watson, our certified lubrication specialist. And in addition to visiting Dan and sending him emails at danwatson at thelubepage.com, you can also give Dan a call. He may have to call you back because he, he does get a lot of calls. But why don't we make sure and give out your your toll-free number and uh, get that out there for folks. 
Yes, that number is 800-370-2986. And like uh, Bob said, sometimes you have to leave a message, but I can tell you I've been doing this a long time, and every message left always gets a reply. Same thing if you email me at danwatson.thelubepage.com. It may take me more than 24 hours to answer your email, but I get them usually always answered in 48 hours. But uh, sometimes there's a line of those things to get to, and uh, sometimes Rob only can get to them, you know, <laughs> after 6 o'clock when, when the phone stops ringing, then I can try to answer some emails, you know, that kind yeah, of thing. so true, absolutely. We get a question from Juan, who's in El Centro, California, and uh, Juan writes, we have big tractors on the farm, and we use a lot of hydraulic oil. Sometimes when it gets very hot, the hydraulics starts to surge, moving the boom without control. Is there a better hydraulic oil that we can use to stop this? Yes, and I know we're getting close to our hard break, but here's the thing. When these hydraulic wells get really hot, and they do, they'll get really hot, especially in El Centro, California. You know, that's right down there close to the Mexican border in the area out there by the Salton Sea. So you're below sea level in some of that areas, and it gets very hot, not too far from Yuma. And and Ila Bend, where it's always got these ungodly temperatures in Ila Bend, Arizona. But anyway, here's the thing. When hydraulic oil gets really hot, uh, depending on its characteristic, it will flash, Bob. In other words, part of it will flash to a vapor. Well, that vapor takes up more room than the solid hydraulic oil, so it causes things to surge, okay? And I'll, I'll, get, I'll, I'll explain that more in detail when we come back after the break. A very interesting question from Juan. Stay tuned. We'll find the answer to that one and much more straight ahead. This is Auto World. Jay Leno, and you're listening to Auto World with Bob Long. We want to thank you very much for being with us here on Auto World. I'm Bob Long, along with Dan Watson, who's answering a question about hydraulics and oil. And the question, just to recap, is from Juan in El Centro, California. They have a lot of big tractors on their farm. They use a lot of hydraulic oil. Sometimes when it gets very hot, the hydraulics starts to surge, moving the boom without control. Is there a better hydraulic oil that we can use to stop this? And Dan, just before that hard network break, you were explaining the, uh, what happens with hydraulic oil in the heat. Yeah, the important thing to remember is that any time you pressurize a liquid or a gas, it gets hot. Now, everybody knows that, that if I were to have an air compressor and I pressed up air to 150 or 200 pounds and I felt the cylinder that I got this air pressed up in, it's going to get hot, okay? Well, with hydraulics, because many times I operate at you know, sometimes a few thousand pounds of pressure, it depends upon the system. All of that pressure trying to actually compress that liquid uh, causes it to heat up additionally. So when you're working in El Centro and it's 110 degrees, the air, and you're working this hydraulics pretty hard, if the flash point 
is not sufficiently high enough, it may begin to have places within the system that it flashes to vapor. Now, I don't think it's hard to understand that if I take a liquid and flash it to vapor, it occupies more territory than it did when it was a liquid. Okay. So now what happens is that in its own way pushes, it displaces oil to go somewhere, right, to form that vapor sure. bubble. And when it does that, it's just like you added more oil to the ram and all of a sudden the boom is moving. Okay. You know the guys that really worry about this are the guys that are up there working next to an energized uh, electrical line in a bucket truck. They cannot absorb any surging or the bucket bouncing around on its own when they're next to, uh, you know, very high-voltage lines. So it's a problem, and you have to have a hydraulic oil that will not do that because it has a higher uh, temperature rating than the others. And so, again, uh, Bob, without failure, here comes synthetic again. I mean, I can use a good synthetic hydraulic oil that will in many times have twice the temperature range before it would suffer any kind of vaporization or forming any vapor bubbles in the system uh, because it is synthetic. Okay? Now, you have to be careful and use the kind of synthetic that has the high temperature range. Some synthetics are less than others. So, you know, for one and the guys out on the farm, it's important to actually do a little due diligence and make sure that you ask for uh a hydraulic oil, a synthetic hydraulic oil that will resist this surging because it has higher temperature limits and ranges. That's a good question. I've I've run in this, into this before with bucket trucks because, you know, I'm in Florida and it gets hot here in the summer and somebody's using some cheap hydraulic oil and they're trying to do tree trimming, which is typically what goes around here, and the bucket's moving around when they don't want it to, so they don't figure out how to stop that. The way to stop it is use a better hydraulic oil. So hopefully Juan was listening. And Juan, if that's not entirely clear to you, you can always give me a call, you know, at 800-370-2986. Good question. And by all means, uh, don't hesitate to give Dan a call. We get a question from uh, KPAM uh, in Portland, Oregon. It's uh, Merle, and Merle has a... 2012 Toyota Camry with 160,000 miles on the clock. I use about one quart of oil every 1,500 miles. Is this normal? Is there anything I can do to reduce the oil consumption? Sounds a little extreme to me. What, what do you well, it is, to? and here's the thing. If you go over to the Toyota dealership, they go, sounds okay to me. Because if you read all of their tech bulletins and reports, they really don't consider, now this is an older car, but they don't consider they have any kind of warranty issue unless it's more than a quart every thousand miles. So that's telling you that we normally get much better performance than that, but if you don't get it, they don't intend to do a whole lot. Okay, now here's the thing. Um, this brings up a question that, Everybody has this kind of question when they 160, 180, 200,000 miles and, and sometimes less and they see oil consumption and they're trying to figure out what's going on, okay? What's well, a good question that has many possibilities and it's not possible for us to troubleshoot the, the question for Merle because we're not talking to him. But here's the things you look for. We can in general tell people what they look for, okay? One of the number one causes 
of oil consumption is a stuck PCV valve. Now, folks, remember that valve, PCV, stands for Positive Crankcase Ventilation Valve. So what it means is there must be some positive pressure, usually, in the crankcase to open that up. And remember, your crankcase is the area beneath the pistons, and typically, unless you have a perfect car, especially 160,000 miles, you'll get a little bit of blow-by, and you're going to have some oil vapor floating around in that void between the uh, oil sump, the crankshaft, the bottom of the pistons. You'll have some vapor in there. All right. So if that PCV valve opens, it's going to suck that vapor out because the PCV valve opens a path from the crankcase to the intake of the engine. Remember, the intake's out of vacuum because it's sucking air in through the intake. So I open a path between what could be a slightly pressurized chamber that has oil vapor in it, and I suck that oil vapor out. I push it down the throat of the engine, and it's burned and disappears. And I can consume a lot of oil doing that with a stuck PCV valve because that PCV valve should only open when the crankcase pressure builds up. It shouldn't be a constant path sucking through the engine, okay, sucking through the crankcase. So that's one of the biggest causes of oil consumption. So they're cheap. They're, they're two or three bucks, Bob. They're not much. So just go get yeah. one. Put in another PCV valve. It might do the trick for you. Now, the other question that we always ask when there's oil consumption is, hey, you park the car overnight, you go out the next morning, and you start it. Do you get a puff of smoke out the back? If the answer is yes, then we can pretty much tell you that oil leaked down through your valve guides onto the top of the pistons, and when you started the car, you had to burn that oil off the top of the pistons, and it'll do that first when you start it up, and you'll see smoke come out the back of the car. Okay, now, valve guides, uh, there's a little bit you can do to slow it down, but in general, usually the way you fix bad valve guides is by replacing them, because you probably ran cheap enough oil that the valve guides wore out, and they give you a path straight down onto the top of the piston from the overhead of the, under your valve cover, so oil is able to just leak through that down into the engine. Now, you'll continue to use oil through those valve guides uh, even uh, after you've burned off the top. You won't realize it, but you're still sucking some oil through there and still using it the whole time you're driving. But you'll know that, but it should leak enough to see it when you start the car up. Now, the other part is in a lot of cars with a lot of age on them, you begin to get enough ring wear that you get blow-by. And, folks, what that means is some of that compression gas that was supposed to just push that piston down is able to escape around it and get past the compression ring and go into the crankcase. Now, when it does that, it will pressurize the crankcase. And if it's doing it consistently, it'll pressurize that crankcase, it'll open that PCV valve because that's what it's supposed to do, and it will just blow oil into the intake of the engine, and you'll suck a lot of oil, and you'll see a pretty good consumption if it's due to poor ring seal. Now, when we come back, I'll tell you a couple fixes for these problems that I've described. All great information, courtesy of Dan Watson, our certified lubrication specialist. And we'll take a pit stop, and then more with Dan is around the bend. You're listening to Auto World. 
Broadcasted tuna. This is Auto World and your host, Bob Long. Have you heard the story of the hot rod race with the Fords and Legos was set in the face? That story is true. I'm here to say I was driving. Welcome back, day. everybody. Thank you very much for joining us. We're talking about oil consumption. And it all stems from a question from KPAM in Portland, Oregon. And our certified lubrication specialist, one of the largest AMS oil dealers in all of North America, is with us, Dan Watson. And he is tackling this question and it's not just simply an oil consumption question it's also a a pcv question as well well and the thing as we have discussed this so far is we've looked at the fact that any way that you pressurize that crankcase you're going to open that pcv system and you're going to start sucking out oil vapor and using oil now if that turns out to be the problem and you realize that basically your engine seems to be not showing any puff of smoke when you start it up, but it's consuming oil. Uh, the first thing we can do to try to do something about this is uh, try going up one grade of oil, one viscosity. If you're using a 5W20 in this engine, go to a 5W30. And uh, if you were using a 30-weight oil already and that was what it called for, go to a 10W40. And the reason is we're trying to improve the ring seal around the piston. If I can get that that seal better done, which the thicker viscosity will help me if I've had worn rings, to get a little better compression seal, I'll get less blow-by into the crankcase. Also, the thicker oil uh, will produce less vapor. It's the oil vapor that we're sucking up with the PCV system, so if I have less vapor. Now, speaking of that, uh, a lot of petroleum-based oils have, there's a test, Bob, that's run. It's now accepted. It was a test that in the 90s, Amzo was one of the only companies that were using it. It's a European test, and without, I'll just tell the name of it. It doesn't matter. It's called NOAC volatility test. Okay, fine, mm-hmm. big name. But what it means, if I took a if I took a thousand milliliters of oil and I heated it to a temperature and I put it in a thing and it's got two chambers, one to collect what vaporizes off and one to remain there, and I, and I heated this thing up inside of an oven, then I took my test bomb out and I looked at it and twenty percent of the oil had now moved over into the vapor side and condensed again, but it moved from one side to the other, I would have a 20% vaporization rate, okay? So that's kind of, in general, how it's tested. Well, a lot of these petroleum oils, especially the thin ones in the 20 or 30 weight, if it's petroleum, it may have 15, 20% vaporization rate. Some oils like AMSOIL's 10W30 has a 4.7% vaporization rate. So if you're having a oil vapor and PCV system sucking it up, you do two things. You can go up a grade in oil, and you can seek out a good quality synthetic with a very low vaporization rate. And you may, uh, where this gentleman had to add a quarter over 1,500 miles, he might add a quarter over 4,500 miles by doing that. Mm-hmm. So uh, simple things, simple corrections and procedures, and people are welcome to go 
to the loopage.com, there's a place to contact me there and ask these questions. I mean, we, we have information on this stuff. Now, I know we got a few questions, and let's see if we can do a sort of a little speed run on them here, if we can get them done before we run out of time. All right, let's go to uh, Bozeman, Montana. Alex writes, Dan, it's going to get real cold soon, and I have to park my truck outside. Is 0W30 much better than 5W30 for ease of starting in cold weather? And the answer is yes. The temperatures he's going to experience, 0W30 would be an improvement. Now, for a lot of the country, 5W30 is all you'll ever need. But in Bozeman, Montana, 0W30 is probably a good idea, just like it is in Duluth, Minnesota. Now, folks, real quick, again, I've, I've gone over this before on the air, but the 0W and the 5W, think of that W as the winter rating of the oil. And the smaller the number, the better that oil performs in colder and colder applications. So 0W has a better moving, easier to flow in colder weather than 5W. 5W is better than 10W, and 10W is better than 15W, and 15W is better than 20W. Just always remember that. So, yes, you're fighting very cold weather. That 0W is going to help you get it started, and look at that. It goes up to a 30-weight oil when it gets up to full temperature, just like the 5W30. So take advantage of the 0W because you're going to get excellent protection for full operating temperature of a 30-weight oil once the vehicle warms up. Good answer, and we've been on in Bozeman for quite a number of years and appreciate all the listeners out there. From Eau Claire, Wisconsin, Rob writes, I have a 2014 Chevrolet pickup, and I recently changed the rear end gear oil. Now when I make a sharp turn, the inside tire skips and chatters. Did I break it, or is there something I can do to fix it? Well, he didn't break it. He just made one of the classic mistakes of a do-it-yourselfer. Didn't really realize what type of rear end he's got. Okay, He's got a positive traction rear end. Now, for our listeners out there, that means a lot of these limited slips, you got typically the one tire... It does most of the pulling, and the other tire just does a little bit, okay? But in a positive traction rear end, both tires are, are pulling the load. Boy, if you were had enough horsepower and you were to bark the tires leaving the starting line, so to speak, at your local drag strip, you'd leave two streaks because both tires would be breaking loose and tearing off. That's a positive traction rear end. The problem is, and think about this for just a minute, when you make a circle with your truck, the inside rear wheel will cover less distance than the outside wheel making a circle because it's making a circumference of a smaller circle because it's five or six feet inside the outside one. So the diameter is different for the circles the two tires are making. But if you have a positive traction rear end, both tires have to go the same distance. So what's happening is the inside tire it is not it, – it, it has to skip because it can't go in that circle because it's not traveling as far as the other one. So it ends up skipping and chattering. Now, you should have put a uh, an additive, limited slip additive, into the rear end. And what that additive would do for you 
is it would make it so, believe it or not, these axles are attached to the differential with clutch plates so that one, the inside one can slip. But if it doesn't have the right friction modifier on the face of that clutch faces, then it won't slip and it has to hop, skip, and chatter, okay? So what you do is you put that additive in, about four ounces of it, and then you go out to uh, your local shopping center someplace in the evening when all the cars are primarily gone, and you make some hard figure eights going forward, and you back up doing some hard S's, and you'll work that uh, friction modifier into the clutch faces and you'll start going around the corner like it's supposed to without the skipping, hopping, and bumping. So anybody out there, we encourage you to do any kind of maintenance on the rear end. It's really easy to do, but make sure you know what kind of rear end you have so that you know if you need that additive to prevent that happening. We got one more, Bob? We got one more, and it's from Richland, Washington State. Tom, I have an old panhead Harley-Davidson. I'm looking for a synthetic 60-weight oil. Everyone tells me to just run 20W50, but I prefer to stay with the 60-weight it calls for. Do you know of a source for a 60-weight synthetic for my motorcycle? Well, the only one I know of right offhand, uh, Harley may have one out in their Screaming Eagle. I'm not sure, but I know that Amsoil makes a straight 60-weight synthetic motorcycle oil, and they made it just for these guys. It's got all the attributes of their high-performance modern motorcycle oil, has extra rust inhibitors, extra everything you want for that bike, except it's a heavy 60-weight oil because those old panheads have a lot of clearance and. You could maybe get by with a 2050, but you'd probably have more clattering and banging than you could stand. And if you go on back to the 60, then it'll quiet it down. you get excellent protection. And that's the answer to that question. We're running out of time again, Bob. <laughs> One more time. Give out your telephone number. That is 800-370-2986 at thelooppage.com. And his email is danwatson at thelooppage.com. You can find me at bob at audibleradio.com. Thank you, my friend, for a great hour. See you next time, Bob.